Welcome to Questions from the Closet. I'm Ben Shalati. And I'm Charlie Bird. Each episode, we discuss a question that we commonly get asked as LGBTQ Latter-day Saints. We are not trying to answer this question or come to a consensus, but simply sharing our perspectives. Today's question is, what does it mean to be queer? Charlie and I are not terribly diverse, and we share many opinions and life experiences. For example, we both like eating old people cereals for breakfast. However, there are some pretty big differences. I like Raisin Bran, but Ben just likes regular Bran. <laughs> I just love the Bran flakes. They're delicious. You're they're, so boring. They're really good. And I never liked the raisins. They're like the worst part for you because they're covered in sugar. So I was like, this isn't good for me, and I don't like it. So I just bought the Bran flakes. You got to spice it up somehow. No. Well, you can like cut up a banana and put it in there. I don't, but you could. Ew. Uh, anyway, we would like to provide a variety of voices and perspectives. So today we're joined by Tyler Lefevre. Hello, hello. Well, Tyler, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, yeah. Happy to be here. So I just started as an assistant professor at Utah State. I'm in their combined clinical and counseling psychology program, in part to promote some research that I've been doing with the Four Options Survey, trying to understand the different voices of LGBTQ Latter-day Saints, especially people who are still in the closet. Mm-hmm. So if you're listening to this and interested, you can find us at www.4optionssurvey.com. It's the number four options with an S and then survey.com. The thing that I'm really driven by is understanding the different ways that people find meaning and are satisfied in different single and relationship statuses as LGBTQ Latter-day Saints. And this one, we're trying to follow people for 10 years to see how they change, to see ways that they resolve conflict, because you can't just get that from a single survey. Right. Yeah, I uh, I think I took the survey right when it came out. I remember taking it when I was in Tucson, like sitting on my bed. So <laughs> it was at least three years ago. <laughs> well, well, thank you, Ben. Yeah. So today we're talking about the Q in LGBTQ, which means queer. T- Tyler, tell, tell us how you self-identify. Yeah, I'm queer. At least I'm queer in most states. When I lived in Tennessee, I was gay sometimes. For me, queer means I'm just, I'm not straight, but I'm somewhere, somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So for you, it's, it's, it's an umbrella term that encompasses everything that's not heteronormative. Absolutely. And I don't feel like I have a responsibility to tell you who I'm attracted to. And so I like queer because it says there's something different about me, but you don't really get to know that until you get to know me. Yeah. So, so I've always understood, like Ben was saying, that queer is an umbrella term. And people often identify as queer when they don't really feel like other labels capture who they are. So basically anyone who isn't heterosexual or cisgender, which means you identify with your sex assigned at birth. Uh, a transgender friend of mine, he was assigned female at birth and identifies as a, as a man and was dating a woman. And I asked him, well, how do you like how do you identify your sexual orientation? He just said, I'm queer. I think this is an interesting word because in the past it's been used kind of like as a slur. And it's something that like the LGBTQ community kind of re-grabbed. And, and made their own. And so that, that's probably like the, the biggest reason I don't really feel like I identify with the word because growing up it was used to like mock or tease me and other people. Mm. And, and I feel like th- this term queer is a little bit new as far as like people re-grabbing it and talking about it and self-identifying as queer. Uh, for me, maybe it's just because I'm new to this like scene, like relatively mm-hmm. new, but I feel like within like the past four years, it's been coming up a lot more. And initially when I heard people identifying as queer, I would say like, I'd rather be called a fag than a queer (laughs) because growing up, you can like joke and say faggot, which you can't, it's not okay, but people would. But like every time someone would pull out queer, it was like, Oh, like that was too far, man. And so I think there's a part of me that's never really gotten over, like feeling really awkward when people would say queer when I was young and like it put me out of place. And so it's just interesting to me that that's becoming like the new place. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that's why I'll use different words with different people in different places. Like queer is what I would write on a paper if I'm alone and 
not talking to anyone in particular. Mm-hmm. But for some people, it does feel offensive. And so it's easier to not bring up the baggage and just to use gay. Smear the queer. <laughs> Should we talk about it? That, that's, one of the, that's, that's one of the reasons I didn't like it, because people, <laughs> people played smear the queer. And I was like, oh, no, I'm the queer. <laughs> <laughs> they were going to smear you. Yeah, beat me up. They never did, though. Yeah. I was fast. I just <laughs> ran away. <laughs> I don't even know how that game works. You just, you just like, find someone that you hate and beat them up. Yeah. I think. Oh, it's not a game. It's just regular bullying. Yeah, it's just, it's just like, it's, bullying. Yeah. And that's why I don't identify as queer. <laughs> Too much childhood bullying. <laughs> the childhood trauma. I've also thought a lot, Charlie, about how queer is a more political identity where gay or lesbian or bisexual are less politicized, queer is almost always associated with left-wing politics. And just saying that it's not only my sexual identity, but it's also my political identity. Because there's also like queer theory and like queer aspects of other disciplines that are very, like, very liberal. I've lived in a number of different states and noticed the use of queer varies with how conservative the state is. States that are more conservative tend to have fewer people who identify as queer because it's more jarring in those places could you like kind of walk us through your identity journey tyler like (laughs) where did you start and how did you get to where you are i mean i was born fabulous (laughs) no i mean i started this straight i was straight at byu and i was straight for a long time until i was about 25 and came out actually i came out gay i didn't a lot of people come out bisexual first and then switch but i didn't i was dating a woman came out i was same-sex attracted for a couple of years Mm -hmm. okay can do this i can do the church thing and then i was gay but celibate and then i was gay and dating men and then i was gay and in a relationship to a man and then i was queer and now i'm queer and engaged Mm -hmm. so i don't know life as my life situation changed my terms have changed how you felt differently with with each of these different terms that you've used to describe yourself yeah for me the terms have connoted like the way that I see myself and my loyalties when I was same sex attracted, that really connoted my loyalty to the LDS church. Mm -hmm. That was what it conveyed. And then when I was gay, it connoted an ideological shift for me away from the LDS church. I know that's not true for everybody. And then queer, I guess maybe signified me becoming more liberal and saying that I see myself part of these broader movements, that Mm -hmm. it's not just that I'm gay and it's a personal thing, but I now there's a social aspect to it. Yeah, and the social aspect didn't come in so much with gay and same-sex attracted, but with queer, I feel more connected to LGBTQ rights and issues and per- causes. Like activism. Like, yeah. Huh. Yeah. I feel like queer is, is usually used by people who are younger. Like, I see a lot yeah. of, like, Gen Z and younger millennials self-identifying as queer. I think so, too. I think I see that. I have a therapy practice, too, and a lot of my clients... My younger clients tend to identify as queer, and a lot of my younger trans clients tend to identify as genderqueer or non-binary. It's seeming more people are just kind of rejecting these binary labels more. It's interesting. I didn't even realize that queer could be thought of as a political term, so thank you for teaching us that today. <laughs> when I was living in Tucson, I, I rented a room from two retired lesbians for a year and a half. I remember asking them like, if they identify as queer, and they said, oh no, that's a term for the young kids. <laughs> What I really want to know is how you retire from being a lesbian. <laughs> they were retired professionally. <laughs> Still receiving yeah. paychecks for being lesbians. <laughs> yeah, I, I had a similar experience to Charlie growing up where like, no, it wasn't that bad, but of course the term queer wasn't okay. And so it's it's never really been a term that I've used to describe myself. But I will when I'm talking like as like a, the broader culture. So I'll say like I'm part of the queer community or mm-hmm. I'll say like as queer people, but I won't ever say like I am queer. And I don't know if I'm like having a version to that, like if that's why, but I just feel comfortable with the word gay. 
yeah, I identify as a gay man. So I'm covered under this queer umbrella because I'm not like the typical heterosexual cisgender. But I feel super comfortable identifying as gay and as male. So those words capture my orientation and my gender pretty well. So that's just usually what I go with. You know, part of my shift might have been in my program as I started to be more politically involved and champion the causes of other people in the LGBTQ umbrella that queer started to feel more right because in camaraderie with more like with bi friends or with people pansexual or asexual people who get left out of the spectrum that identifying as queer myself felt like a way to promote inclusion for them. So I was reading the other day about like liberation struggles and so it was talking about how one crucial aspect of like any liberation or like coming to terms with yourself struggle is to get rid of the labels that the dominant group uses to express who you are and like express yourself on your own terms and I really felt that when I came out because I was always kind of like counseled and told to identify as same-sex attracted but it didn't work with me it always felt like Um, and so when I wrote my book, the first thing I wrote was like, I'm claiming this label as gay because I don't like the label that most of the reader base would want me to label as, and this is why. And so like, it was funny to read this. I'm like, oh my gosh, I did that. I stopped identifying myself by the dominant group and used something that felt better to me. So I feel like on a larger scale, that's what's happened with, with queer. That label has like gradually taken on more of an insider perspective that fits the evolving nature of the LGBTQ experience and LGBTQ rights. And like you said, kind of the political movements as well. Yeah, I, lo- I like the idea of the connection with oppression and just saying like I'm reclaiming because I think that's what's happened with queer too. And I think maybe it was an intentionally chosen term to be very broad so that we wouldn't have to keep developing so many new terms. Because on the, like, the individual level, we've moved from bisexual to pansexual. Like I think more people are identifying now as pansexual than bisexual mm-hmm. because it's fitting better. And queer is maybe a way to hedge the bets and just say, like, we've got this big umbrella and we'll go from there. Just a big old plus. <laughs> well, and honestly, that's kind of like one of the things that, for lack of a better term, the haters always say. It's like, why are there so many like LGBTQIA+. And they're like, when's it going to stop? And people were like, now, queer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I think this whole like, like claiming identities might resonate with the Latter-day Saint audience because like back in the early days of the church, the term Mormon was used derogatorily. And then it was something that members of the church then claimed to describe themselves, which we recently got rid of. But uh, it was a it was a good re- reclamation <laughs> but, but, for a But getting rid of it years. was also like a, a reclaim of like the way we want to be seen. So it's like, I'm using this label to describe something about my life, to let you in on some aspect of who I am and communicate that. And if the label isn't fitting, are, are you going to change like who you are in your belief set or the word that people use? Labels change a lot. And I think it's really healthy to like assess if the way you're talking about yourself and being described by other people really resonates with who you feel you are. Yeah, I wondered if the change from Mormon to Latter-day Saint is been in reaction to Mormon becoming a word used by others to describe Latter-day Saints. And this shift is saying we are taking ownership and this is about us and our faith. Whereas Mormon has started to become a more cultural Mm -hmm. word. Yeah. So what do you think people misunderstand about the word queer? I think people might have a too narrow perception of what is included or who is queer and what queer looks like. Because I We've talked about some nuance already that there are people maybe like myself who identify as queer and then there are people maybe like either or both of you who are under the queer umbrella. And in a sense, so we're all queer. The question is just how comfortable or familiar we are with the word. Mm -hmm. How well we feel that it represents us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Going back to this Mormon connection that you made, Ben, it kind of reminds me of the word peculiar. In in our religious culture, there's this like, we're a peculiar people, and that's been a phrase that's been bounced around a lot. And queer and peculiar are honestly like synonyms, Mm -hmm. right? Queer is the peculiarity, just like showing the offset of who we are based on the norm. Yeah, and it's saying it's okay. Like, I I like that I'm different. I celebrate the parts of me that are different or weird. I think because queer initially came from weird, right? Yeah. And We're a bunch of weirdos, <laughs> but, but we love it. <laughs> Maybe we should be call ourselves, like, peculiar queer Mormons. <laughs> Latter-day Saints. Uh-huh. Yes. PQLDS. <laughs> I'm making new acronyms. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I kind of like that, though. It's got a good, good ring to it. Well, I think some people are scared of the cue. Mm. Some people are scared of the idea of like questioning or being like fluid, fluidity in your labels or in your identity. Well, I think that comes from the fear of like, this is a choice that you're making or that we can influence other people to become queer. Yeah. Yeah. I think queer is a hard identity to start with when you're just coming out because there could be a lot of arguments that if you're queer, then maybe you still like people of another sex and you should just like follow this heteronormative path. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So Tyler, you're saying that it, it, for a lot of people, it might be helpful to have a more defined identity at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the way that we tend to work with identity development is we tend to like swing to extremes and then come to a more solid place. So starting with gay or bisexual, which is just easier for people to understand often fits. And then, there's just a lot of nuance in queer that's lost. And if my if my purpose in identifying is to convey to you information about myself that I despre- desperately want known, know that I want to use queer because that's just going to raise more questions and answers. Mm-hmm. So for me right now, it's like you don't get to know, you don't need to know. At an earlier stage, for me, like gay would have been particularly helpful because I wanted to talk about it and I wanted you to know. Yeah. So trying, I'm, I'm hearing you talk about kind of these two aspects of identity where it's like I'm claiming who I am and also I'm telling you who I am. Mm-hmm. And and queer might not be the best way to say, like explain all the aspects of your life. And you're saying, well, I don't need to. Like you don't yeah. need to know what's going on in my life. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to tell me about what straight means to you. And so I think of queer as really the perfect uh, counterpart to straight. Like you have straight and you have queer. Does queer go for both orientation and gender? I'm not sure. I guess I guess you kind of talked about gender queer. Yeah, I use gender queer for gender and queer for queer, but I'm not close enough to enough trans people to really know. Like, I understand trans people saying I'm queer to be an expression of sexuality and not gender. Okay. But I, I didn't know that. But they may also it may also be that they say I'm queer as an expression of gender. Yeah, I wonder about queer has ambiguity built in. In a mm-hmm. way that other labels don't. Yeah. And that ambiguity is uncomfortable. I mean, for most people, we don't like to feel ambiguity. So I think it makes sense, which makes it maybe more radical to reclaim the ambiguity for the people who do. Yeah. Do you feel like the term kind of deconstructs society? Yeah. Yeah. I really resonated with the part the part you were talking about, about oppression. And because I think about queer as... A label like chosen by and for and of gay people or of queer people mm-hmm. and as like a way in opposition to all of these pathways set out. Maybe saying that I'm queer also implies a stronger deviation from a heteronormative lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So me being queer maybe should say you're not sure if I want a partner or kids in a way that saying gay you might assume that I do more. I kind of feel that too. 
Yeah. Yeah. But it's just a little bit more radical and a little bit more just like doing doing my own thing. Because it was like, let's take something jarring from our past and tr- and like make it ours. Make it a good thing, you know? Yeah, which is why I don't use it like with my family. I, I don't position myself as queer. Like maybe they know that. They would probably think of me as gay, but it feels too like too much. And interpersonally, if I'm one-on-one with somebody and it's a relationship I'm trying to grow... I'll be more mindful of the way that queers received. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think that shows a lot of kindness on your part. That you're, <laughs> I mean, Probably. You're trying to make people feel comfortable even with the ways you used to talk yeah. about yourself. Uh, I remember like when I was living with these two lesbians in Tucson, I was talking to my friend about it. And I was like, and I was like, blah, blah, blah. And I called them lesbians. And she's like, can you call them that? I was like, well, they are. She's like, it just sounds so mean. And I, was like, <laughs> I was like, it's not mean. It's just you've been using it. Like people in your world have been yeah. using it as a derog- in a derogatory way. This reclaiming of a, of a term and and helping people get familiar with it, I, I think, is a is a cool thing. Yeah, it, maybe it connects to a sadistic part of myself that I actually appreciate people being uncomfortable, mm-hmm. and I, I appreciate seeing people like go do like do that head back thing of like what's going on, how do I react to this? And it it's really, subversive. It is, yeah, because yeah. it challenges the heteronormativity of their worlds because they don't know where to put it and they're not sure how to incorporate it into their worldview, which really highlights the limitations of their worldview, like that they don't have a place to hang this. Yeah. And, and you know, as I've been thinking about like the way I use the word queer, when I was in Tucson, we, my, my last semester, uh, my LGBTQ friends and I, I, I decided I wanted to read the whole Book of Mormon my last semester at school there. And so I started Book of Mormon study and we called it Queer Book of Mormon study or Q-bomb, <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was fun. And it was interesting. Like I could name that thing Queer Book of Mormon study because uh, we were all getting together to read the Book of Mormon, and it was great. Um, but at the same time, like I would never have said like I am queer. Yeah. And and I'm just like wondering like what my hesitation is. Uh, but at the same time, like it doesn't quite feel like it fits. Yeah, I mean, from what I understand from what both of you have shared, if your goals and ideas are more in line with the LDS Church, then queer is going to fit less well because it's less subversive, at least to the church, right? You're pushing for change, but maybe pushing for change more within the organization. And I'm pushing for change more with outside of the organization. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. Well, and I feel like, like you were saying, there's this element of like deconstructing the way we view families. And maybe I just don't feel like that resonates with my belief set. Yeah. 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 And, And I'm also wondering like how much is like the culture I'm in affect how I choose to identify myself. I guess I hadn't really considered that at some, but I'm, I'm sure like there's no way it wouldn't. Yeah, I think because I lived in Miami for grad school for four years. And then I moved, was in Utah for a year at the counseling center and then was in uh, the Bay Area for a year. And both the Bay Area and Miami are very queer areas. Like most LGBTQ people are on the identifying more as queer than gay. And so it was a different, I don't know, gave me different exposure, different people. Mm-hmm. I might sound kind of ignorant when I say this. So it's kind of like a thought kind of a question. And maybe yeah. you can like put me in check if you need to. But I feel like there are cultural aspects to queer that like bring to mind certain characteristics or interests or hobbies that I also don't really relate to. Does, I, that, yeah, does that make I, sense? I hear what you're saying. And- I don't like maybe I'm just too mainstream for queer. Yeah, I'm not sure I want to speak for the whole movement, but I think right. that's some of the energy of it of just saying because queer, I think, is intentionally not mainstream. It, what the alternativeness of queer is could be self-defined. 
But I think it's inherently not it's not mainstream. It kind of reminds me of the way, like, in 2012, people would say, like, I listen to indie music. To be like, I don't listen to the stuff on the radio. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. But I'm like, I listen to the stuff on the radio. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's just kind of what I gravitate to. It's funny, Ben. I guess it's not funny because we share many opinions and life experiences. But I, I feel like I identify very similar to how you do. I won't, like, take personal ownership of the word. But I'll be like yeah. the queer community. Mm-hmm. So it's like comfort with it as an adjective rather than as a self-identifier. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah that makes sense. Yeah, I'm wondering like how much of it's just like I feel uncomfortable, or just like I already feel comfortable like just being gay. I gotta imagine it's about communities, just like same-sex attracted is about community. Mm-hmm. And because I, I think about identity largely as trying to connote who we belong to, mm-hmm. it's just a shorthand of trying to find our similar people. And so if if gay or bisexual like fits your similar people, then that's the word you're going to use because it's going to help you find the people you're most likely to connect to, mm-hmm. which is a positive thing. Yeah, and that kind of goes into what I was trying to say. I don't know exactly how to say it, but like interests and hobbies and worldview and all of these things. Yeah. Like I tend to fit better with people who identify as gay yeah. than queer, but I like the queer people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, because I'm super fit into my community i mean like on sundays i wear a suit and a white shirt and a tie so that makes you same sex attracted (laughs) (laughs) i wear like intricate patterns and roll up my sleeves (laughs) and that makes me gay (laughs) and i grew my hair out really long and refused to wear like a tie to church if i go to church and so you're queer exactly (laughs) i think we've cracked the code (laughs) we've done it just look at Bye, how you, George. Just look at how you dress. <laughs> I, I I've tried to be cognizant of the fact that like I'm on a path and on a journey because seven years ago I didn't identify as gay, yeah. and so eight years from now, how am I going to self-identify? Honestly, it feels like I'll still call myself gay, but the truth is I don't know. And I know you said this like like tongue in cheek, but but I think this is something that happens where you know I've come this far, and then people who haven't gotten here yet will someday get to where I am. There have been times when I have kind of felt that way about my identity. Like, I'll meet someone who identifies as SSA, and I'll be like, oh, you'll get it someday. <laughs> and and I, I have tried very hard to, like, get rid of that thought pattern. Yeah. think, like, I'm further on a journey that you were just starting on. Yeah. Uh, this kind of reminded me of, of a scripture, not to get all church in everybody. Uh, but Bring it, Ben. We're ready. There's a verse, and it's, th- it's First John, uh, not John, but First John 3, 2. And John says, Beloved, now are we the children of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be, but this we know, that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And I like that, like, you know, I, my core identity, you know, is, is as a child of God, um, and I don't know what a lot of things are going to look like in my future, but but in the end, like, I want to be like Jesus Christ and develop his attributes. It's interesting how calling myself gay has helped me develop Christ-like attributes and helped me be more accepting of who I am and become what I think is the a better version of me. Yeah, there's not friction there. It's not mutually exclusive. I think the identity as a child of God is like a shared experience for all. So whatever other label you feel ex- expresses certain aspects of who you are is always going to fit within your identity as a child of God. It's not like divisive religion versus queer. That's That's just not true. You know, like there are queer people in religious institutions and with like faith and strong beliefs. Yeah. And I think the more settled we are about our own identities and experiences, the easier it is to embrace all of them. Right. The more settled I am about being queer, the easier it is to say I'm a queer child of God. 
Mm-hmm. Whereas the more conflict I have, then it's harder. It feels like I have to pick one or the other. Yeah, definitely. And I, and I think the more settled we are with who we are, the more able we are to accept people who are different than us. Absolutely. My aunt a couple years ago gave me my grandma's old Bible, and she wasn't a member of the church, so it was a version of the scriptures that's not King James Version. And so I was reading in First Corinthians chapter 12, and it talks about um, the body of Christ and how you know we can't all be hands because then we wouldn't have feet, and we can't all be eyes because then we wouldn't hear anything because we'd have no ears. And then it goes on to say, and, I, and it hadn't stuck out to me that I like, read in this language. And it said, and we are very grateful for the parts of the body that are rather odd. <laughs> and and I thought that, that was really beautiful. And I was like, a synonym for odd is queer. And you know, I'm really grateful for, for the people who might seem odd or peculiar or queer because without, without all these diverse experiences, we're not the body of Christ that God wants us to be. So I don't do this as much anymore, but before when I would give firesides about about same-sex attraction, I would start, I would, I would on purpose start out by saying, as someone who experienced the same-sex attraction, because I knew that just having this conversation was uncomfortable for people, and then once we got more comfortable, then I would start describing myself as gay, knowing that this would make them uncomfortable. Uh, because honestly, I look like a, like a typical standard male member of the church. Like I've got short hair that's parted um, on the right side. Left side is actually more common. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> my queer hairstyle uh, uh, but but I, I looked the part um, and I was and I purposely talked in a way that wouldn't be jarring to people at first yeah that's one of the hardest parts about uh, being queer and resign having resigned from the LDS church is it's a lot harder to make inroads with people who are active LDS or who are gay or same-sex attracted because I think there's a lot of presentation selection that happens at first right with identity labels and with saying like starting with same-sex attracted and going with gay because people assume a lot about you from where you start and a lot of things that may be true and a lot that might not be true like your willingness to engage with their mm-hmm. views yeah and honestly i found that people are usually pretty okay engaging with me because i look the part i talk the part like i, I sound and look like them yeah well yeah. And, it, and it's so interesting like we, we were joking about dressing different ways at church but like i'm looking at us and like even our hairstyles are different and so like these words like Ben has a parted hair and I have like a slightly edgy Euro hawk because I want to be a little bit edgier <laughs> and you have like a ponytail and but is it us using labels to describe how we fit or does the way we fit influence the label we end up using and going back to what you just said about how like now that you identify as queer it's harder for certain groups to like trust you or want to get close to you. I think just best practice in general is to get to know people, like lean in and ask them what their label means to them and figure out who they are and don't make like blind assumptions based on what you think their label means, you know, because then are we ever going to get to know anyone if we just always go with preconceived notions of who someone's going to be before we even meet them? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. For as much as I hate the like push to all identify as a child of God, because I think it puts labels in the background i think there is some really good in that and saying i want to see you first and or see you as something that we all share and get Mm -hmm. to know who you are and then i can understand the intricacies yeah well tyler thanks so much for coming on this was a really cool discussion i feel like i learned as we talked about it i love when that happens (laughs) me too well thank you for joining us today if you have enjoyed this or other episodes please consider leaving us an apple podcast review and as always please remember that we do not represent the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints or brigham young university we are not trying to be prescriptive or tell anyone what to think or what to do you heard three perspectives and there are many many more 
we encourage you to listen to other voices and hear a wide variety of queer experiences. If you would like to submit a question or share a comment about today's episode, you can email us at questionsfromthecloset at gmail.com. Until next time, 